My prayer now this morning as, as we take a few minutes and get into God's Word together is that as we look back at some 2,000 years ago when Jesus first rode into Jerusalem announcing His arrival as the, the King of Israel, the Messiah, um, the King of the whole world, that as He rode in that day 2,000 years ago, it holds special significance and importance for us today in this season, in our time. And my hope and prayer is that we would be reminded of some truth this morning when we would be encouraged and inspired to walk out these hard times in light of our risen Savior, Jesus. So as we prepare our hearts to get into this, I want to invite you now. Let's pray together. Let's invite Jesus to come and, and open up the scripture to us. It's one of the key things that he did upon his resurrection at the end of this week, we're going to be reflecting on together that's coming up. At the very end of it, he gathered with some of his disciples, and the Bible tells us that he opened their eyes to see the Scripture, and they recognized him for who he is, our Savior, our Lord, the, the, ultimate, um, the ultimate hinge point of all creation, of all eternity, is found in Jesus and so my prayer this morning is that our eyes would be open to see Him in all His glory and His beauty. All right? So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your great love for us. Lord, we want to remember that today and always, but especially this week, Palm Sunday, as we, we move into an entire week of reflection on Your great love that is on display to us through the person of Your Son, Jesus Christ his sacrifice, his great love for us, his willingness at all cost to rescue and save and redeem us. God, we're grateful for that this week. And so Jesus, would you be big in our eyes? Would your words be, be loud in our ears? And ultimately, Jesus, would you be established and grow in our hearts? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the promise that Jesus told us about, that you would come and you would teach us all things. You would bring comfort in hard times. You would remind us of truth and you would empower us to live life with you, experiencing the love of God and sharing it with a world in need. And so Holy Spirit, would you come and do your work today? Touch our hearts, remind us of truth and help us walk in confidence and assurance because of who we are in light of our risen Savior, Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we love you, we worship you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. All right, well, our launching off point is going to be in um, 2 Samuel chapter 7. You know, one of the things I love about the Bible reading that we're doing is that all along the way, as we go through Scripture, without fail, you see Jesus on every page. And so it's, it's, it's not even that hard to find Him if we'll just keep our eyes open, keep our ears open. He's there. And so in the midst of our Bible reading this week, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, King David has now reached a place where he's feeling established and settled. He's He's at home and he's realizing that he's got a more permanent established home. And now he's expressing a desire to take this temporary 
tabernacle and then the ark of God had been moved around to all of these places and he wants to establish what in his mind will be a permanent home for the presence of God. He wants to build God a temple. And so he communicates this to the prophet Nathan in the the first verses there in 2 Samuel 7. Nathan says, hey man, that sounds great. Do what's in your heart to do. Well, God shows up and he speaks to the prophet Nathan. He says, hold on a minute. I've got a different message for my son David. And so we're going to talk about this together this morning. And he establishes David as the once and ultimately the future king, that through David's line, there would be an eternal king. And so we're going to explore that together this morning. And then we're going to see how this connects into Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus arrived into Jerusalem. So let me give you a little bit of background really quickly on Palm Sunday. And then we're going to take a look at God's promise to David found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. So for your own reading, you can read about Palm Sunday in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11, Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 28 through 44, and John's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. Let me give you a little overview of this. In the days leading up to Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, He's been talking a lot now to his disciples about his coming crucifixion, that he would be dead in the grave for three days and that he would rise again. And they're pretty clueless about it. They're not understanding what he's saying. They're confused. But nevertheless, he's giving them these warnings, knowing that when they look back, they'll remember. Um, Then we have this incredible miracle where Lazarus has died and Jesus shows up at his grave tells them to roll back the stone, and he calls Lazarus Lazarus forth and brings him back to life. And this has created a lot of buzz. And so it's, it's in this context that Jesus now heads to Jerusalem. He's arriving during the Passover, and the whole city is kind of abuzz, not only because of the Passover, but because of the word that has been spreading about Jesus. And so as he prepares to enter town, he tells the disciples, a couple of them, go into town. You'll find a person there that's going to have a donkey and a small colt, kind of the foal of that donkey. I want you to get them and bring them to me. And I'm going to ride that donkey into town. And then as Jesus begins riding into town, both his disciples and others that are aware of his entrance, they begin celebrating him. They're waving palm branches. They're throwing their coats on the ground and and kind of creating a red carpet, if you will, for Jesus to ride in on on the donkey. And they're celebrating him. They're crying out, Hosanna, which means save us. And they're referring to him as the son of David. And so there's this massive celebration of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Now, many of them don't recognize the fact that one week later, dramatically, human history and their lives in particular are going to be completely changed. As Jesus is betrayed, he's handed over not only to the Pharisees, but to Pilate. He'll be put on trial. He'll be executed. And then after a few days, he will rise again from the grave. All of that's going to happen in the span of about seven days coming up. So here's Jesus riding into town, Palm Sunday, all of this future in front of him. And he knows 
that this day is of absolute significance, key significance. In fact, from the very first promise back in the garden, when Adam and Eve were told there will be a, a, a child that will come that will crush the serpent's head. And then all throughout the Old Testament, there were all these prophecies of the coming Messiah, the coming King, Jesus. And Jesus is aware of the significance of this day as he rides into town. I want to give you a sense of this. There's no way for us to cover all of the prophecies that Jesus is fulfilling, but there's three in particular I want you to see this morning that we're going to check out. Um, And so bear with me here. Um, I want to encourage you. There's even more than what we're going to be able to cover this morning, but I, I want to give you a sense of the many prophecies that Jesus fulfilled because Fulfilled prophecy is incredibly significant. It gives significance to who Jesus was. It gives significance to the validity of God's word. When he tells us hundreds of years in advance what's going to happen, and then it happens, that should give us some assurance that we can trust this book, that what God says, he means, and that the promises that he makes, he can fulfill them. And so this prophecy, these prophecies are significant. So the first one we're going to look at, going all the way back now to 2 Samuel chapter 7, is this prophecy that the future Messiah, the coming king, would be in the line of David. And so um, the prophet Nathan comes back to David now, who had had in his heart to build God a temple, and he delivers a different message. And he says, no, God wants you to know you're not going to build him a house. He's going to build you a house. And it's going to be a house that is established forever. Check this out. 2 Samuel chapter 7. We're picking up in kind of the second part of verse 11 now. The prophet Nathan says to David, Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 16 now. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me, and your throne shall be established forever. God gives this promise to David. And then we see this promise show up again over and over throughout the Old Testament as time is passing. And it shows up at significant times. We fast forward a little bit into the future. David has died. His King Solomon has has come to power, has built this temple for God that was predicted, and he has died. And now, as David's line begins to unfold, the kingdom is split. And it seems as if God's promise has been broken. And in Psalm 89, the psalmist writes, and he talks about this despair of their current time that they're in, but then says, God, you promised that there would be a king on David's throne forever. And the psalmist believes him and trusts God that it will still be fulfilled. Fast forward now, even further into the future. You can check out Isaiah chapter nine. It's a really common passage that we usually read around Christmas. It's the passage in uh, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7 that says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, 
and the government will be upon his shoulders. You know that passage? This is now around 200 years after David's life, 700 years before the arrival of Jesus. And in that passage, the prophet Isaiah says, this son that will be born, he'll sit on David's throne. Fast forward again a little bit further. Now the prophet Jeremiah is prophesying and about 300 years after King David now. And he says specifically in Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6, that there is a branch of David coming, a, a righteous king who will be born. And, and so the reason I want you to see this spread out over history is that at different times in Israel's history, uh, um, the psalmist is writing after the kingdom has split. Isaiah is writing right before God's people are going to go into exile. They're going to be completely captured by, a, by another kingdom. Jeremiah is writing in the midst of it. We are in exile. We don't have a king on the throne. And in each of these seasons, God is using his prophets to say, there is a future king coming who will establish my throne and my people forever. And he's going to fulfill the promise that I made to David, that there would be a king on David's throne forever. Now, this prophecy is about Jesus. Um, it's picked up in a couple of places I want to show you this morning. First of all, when Gabriel appears to young Mary and tells her she's about to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and he's talking to her about this child, Jesus, that she's going to bear. This is found in Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. And after sharing a few of these things to her about what's going to happen to her, he says this about Jesus. This is in Luke one thirty-two. now. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Jesus, the fulfillment of this prophecy. Now Matthew picks up on this, and he records that on the day, on Palm Sunday, when Jesus comes riding into town, that one of the things the people were doing was declaring Jesus' lineage as one of David's sons. Matthew 21, verse 9 now. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus' arrival on Palm Sunday was a fulfillment of this hundreds of year old prophecy that there would be a man who would come one day that would sit on the throne of David and his kingdom would be established forever. And it's now being declared on this glorious day. Beloved, this is what we're celebrating today, the arrival of our King, our King who is alive now and who reigns forevermore. That's our King Jesus. All right. Now, a second prophecy that I've always thought was interesting, um, you know, it highlights Jesus' humility and the way he came the first time as our, our humble servant, a king who is humbling himself and sacrificing himself on behalf of his people. And we see a picture of this humility when he comes riding in on a donkey. You know, I remember as a kid first hearing this story and it just struck me as strange, like a donkey, you know, a stubborn old mule. Um, they're, they're, they're kind of looked down upon. You know, they're this beast of burden. They're not something kingly and royal. 
I always thought it was strange that Jesus didn't ride in on a horse. Well, Jesus was fulfilling a very specific prophecy about this humble king. The prophecy is found in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation, and he is humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Well, that's exactly what the people now do. Jesus comes riding in on Palm Sunday, and as Matthew's gospel again, chapter 21, verses 6 and 7 say, the disciples were directed by Jesus in order to fulfill this prophecy to go bring him a donkey and a colt, a foal of a donkey. And so the disciples went, this is Matthew 21, verse 6, and did as Jesus had directed them. And verse 7, they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. And so on, these, on this very donkey with this colt riding right alongside, Jesus comes rolling into Jerusalem. And the daughter of Zion, they did. They shouted aloud and worshiped the arrival of their coming king. Man, how cool that we have a king like that who, who comes down and he joins us right in the midst of the reality of our world. He humbles himself. He not only took on the form of a man, he became the lowliest kind of man. He was made a servant of all. And ultimately, he gave his life for you and I. Yes, our king comes in the line of David, but our king comes humbly to serve and to bring salvation to all of us. Man, what a beautiful and glorious king. Now, there's a third prophecy I want to look at, and I want to be real with you. It, this is a pretty in-depth prophecy, and so I'm going to give you like the three-minute version of this, but included in my notes that you can check out online, um, I'll, I'll give you four or five pages of notes from a sermon I preached three years ago on Palm Sunday about this very prophecy we're about to look at. So I'm going to give you the high points of it, but I'd encourage you, dig in on your own. Look at the depth of this, because this is a vital, important prophecy that should give us a real sense of assurance in God's promises to us. So check this out. This is a prophecy that was predicted over 500 years before Jesus came. This is from the prophet Daniel, from Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. God's people are still in Babylonian captivity, but they're, they're, they're looking for the day when they'll return to Jerusalem, when they'll return to their homeland. And so Daniel begins to write about the future and what God's going to do. And he writes these words in Daniel 9, 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now here's where I need you to hang, hang with me for just a minute. There's 69 weeks described there. So let me give you some quick math here, and then you can check out my notes for more detail. 69 weeks actually equals 69 different periods of seven years. A week in, in this prophetic sense was a week of years, seven years. So Daniel is saying that there are going to be 69 periods of seven years. So let's do a little math here. 69 times seven times 360 days. There's 360 days in the Jewish calendar. That math comes out to 
173,880 days. Daniel says from the time that the decree is issued to rebuild Jerusalem until the time that Messiah King shows up will be 173,880 days. Why is that so significant? Man, I hope you catch what I'm about to say because a hundred years later, King Artaxerxes gave a decree for Nehemiah that he was to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. That decree was issued. This is a historical fact. That decree was issued on March 14th, 445 BC. If we count forward from that day, March 14th, 445 BC, we count forward those 173,880 days, we arrive at April 6th, 32 AD. That is the very day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey being declared as the King of David, Hosanna to the one who saves us. Guys, that should absolutely blow our minds. Hundreds of years before Jesus' arrival, it is predicted to the day that the King would show up in Jerusalem. And it's this day, Palm Sunday, Well, besides just being really cool, like a neat Bible fact, guys, this kind of stuff should give us a deep sense of assurance. When when God is this specific, think about the significance of Palm Sunday. Just a few prophecies right here. The specifics that Jesus would be from David's line, that he would arrive riding on a donkey, and that he would arrive on this specific day, the fulfillment of that specific of a prophecy should give us a sense of assurance that God's promises are faithful, that we can trust Him. And if His promises are that certain in the past, we see Him fulfill those prophecies, how much more now can we trust Him in our present circumstances and with our future? Guys, the reason stuff like this is so significant is because there are many prophecies and promises of God about the things that we are facing right now in this day and age and about His future plans for us. And so I want to encourage you over the next about 10 minutes, I want to look at three things with you guys. I want you to see that our King is present right here, right now. I want you to see that our King is coming again for us in the future, His ultimate arrival as King, where He redeems the whole world. That's that's a future that is still coming. So our King is present. Our King is coming in the future. And the third thing I want you to see is that our King warned us. He encouraged us. He prepared us for our present circumstances and the unknown and yet It doesn't have to be mysterious future that's coming. He warns us. So our present king, our future king, and his current warnings to us, all right? Now, please don't miss the importance of this. Jesus' biggest concern on the day that he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday was for the people because they they weren't grasping the significance of the moment. He wept over the city of Jerusalem and even said there is future great trouble coming for them 
because they missed this day. They missed the significance of my arrival today. Let's not allow that to be true of us. Let's not miss the significance of our Savior Jesus and His arrival, all right? So let's take a look at a few promises here. First of all, our King is present. Before Jesus' death, there was a lot of buzzing going on about who He was, what He was there to do. And the Pharisees, who were very skeptical of Him, they approached Him in Luke chapter 17. And we're going to read just verses 20 and 21. It says there, "...being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them, "...the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there, there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you." Jesus said, "...there is already a kingdom present, and if you're not careful, you'll miss it." Then, following His death, burial, and resurrection, His disciples came to Him and said, Hey, is the kingdom here now? This is in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, the disciples asked Him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus was assuring his people before his death and after his death, hey, my kingdom is here. It just doesn't look like what you were expecting it to look like yet. The same way that I came in humble on that donkey, my kingdom right now appears in very humble and subtle ways. But my kingdom is very present. It's in your midst. And even though it seems subtle, it's powerful. Listen, church, this is for you and I. Jesus' kingdom is, a, is present in our midst today. It shows up in the individual lives of people who are willing to say, Jesus, you come be my king. Yes, I don't see you sitting on a specific throne on this earth yet. That's coming in the future. We'll talk about that in a minute. But right here, right now, Jesus, I believe that you are real and that you are alive and that your spirit is present to empower my life. And so, Jesus, I'm willing to allow you to be my king for your kingdom to come right here, right now in my life. See, the radical way that His kingdom is taking over in this world today is when individual people realize, I need saving. I need a Messiah. I need my own personal day where the King Jesus comes riding in, humble as He is, the humble servant to save me, and I let Him arrive and I give Him the keys to my kingdom. And I let that King sit on the throne of my life to radically change my life, to take over and to be in charge. Church family, that is, that is a specific moment of decision we all need to make. But can I just tell you, that's a decision we have to make every day. When I look around at the craziness of my life, sometimes it's just the craziness of trying to be a good husband or a good dad. Sometimes it's the craziness of being a pastor in the midst of a pandemic. I got to tell you, I often look and go, Lord, I don't have the answers. I, I don't know how to run my life well. 
I don't know how to love my life, my wife well, to serve my kids well. Jesus, I don't know how to follow you and lead in the midst of the crazy times that we're in. And then I'm reminded by my humble yet loving king, hey Jake, I got you. I'm with you. I'm the king, not you. You can trust me. You can follow me. You can let me be king in your life right now today. I might not be obvious to you right now. I might seem subtle or hidden, but my presence is with you and I love you and my power is available to work in your life. Will you let me be your present king? I need to be reminded of that. Church, I pray that you you would be reminded of that this morning. He's our present king. Now, not only is he our present king, he's our future king. Our king is going to return. In this same passage as, as the disciples have just heard these words that he said, hey, my kingdom, the one you're talking about, this big, obvious public kingdom where I'm established as king of the whole earth, that's coming in the future. And you don't know the hour or the day. You need to be patient and wait. And so as soon as he finishes saying these words, Acts chapter one again, verse nine now. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heavens? This Jesus who is taking up from you into heaven, he will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. These angels appear and remind them of a truth that Jesus is going to do what he already told them he was going to do. He said to them in Luke 21, just not many days prior to his death in Luke 21 verses 27 and 28, in the midst of talking about the end times and all the crazy things that might be happening, he says to them in Luke 21 verse 27, and then they will see the people living in these crazy end times. They will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Listen, I've just given two quick examples here, but over and over again in the scripture, we are told of a future day that is coming. The hour is not known, but it is certain that a future day is coming when Jesus will return. And this time it won't be in a humble way and it won't be in a subtle way. He's going to return as the glorious, powerful, eternal King. And on that day, our ultimate redemption is sure. Listen, this is so encouraging because not only is our King currently present to help us in this day right now, but in the midst of all the craziness that we face, in the midst of a world that has gone mad at times, when we look around and go, what's happening, God? In the midst of all of that, we are assured of a future day when our King will come and He will make all the wrongs right and He will redeem the world and our lives will be settled and secure for all eternity. And so it is in this context of our present King and our future King that we're told one last thing. And I hope you'll catch this this morning, church family. Jesus told us not to be surprised when trouble comes. All right, I gave you some passages at the beginning this morning where I said you could read about 
Palm Sunday. I want to give you a few more where Jesus gave his disciples and now us some very specific, tangible warnings about what to expect in the world. These are found in Mark chapter 13, Matthew chapter 24, and Luke 21. These are three specific examples where Jesus talked about the future days after he would return to heaven. And he was telling us, be ready for my return. Now, throughout the New Testament, we see Paul and Peter, uh, John and the book of Revelation, multiple places that talk about Jesus' future return. But in these passages, Jesus gives us some warnings, not so we would be afraid, but so we would be aware. He told us you can expect wars and even just talk of war, rumors of war. He said you can expect natural disasters and diseases like the very pandemic that we're facing right now. He says, listen, you can expect relational turmoil. Families will be broken. Betrayal even will take place within families. And he says, ultimately, the way he describes the feeling of the earth in those days is that it will be full of fear and anxiety. He says, this is the atmosphere that's going to be happening before I return. Now, when Jesus gives us that message, he says over and over again, I'm not saying these things to scare you. I want you to, number one, be aware. Don't be surprised when trouble comes. Be aware. Number two, I want you to be prepared. Now, when he says be prepared, he doesn't just mean go be a prepper, you know, stockpile your deep freezer and have six months of supplies saved up. Uh, I'm not knocking that necessarily, but that wasn't the kind of preparation he was talking about. He said, I want you to be prepared by having peace with God. Be right with God. Settle in your heart your relationship with Him. Repent. Turn to Him. And then be at peace. Know that you're ready. You're prepared. Listen, I've heard this described this way. There's a lot of in-depth Bible prophecy we can look at about the last days. And there's a lot of differing opinions about how it's all going to play out. But what the scripture makes very clear is that no one knows the hour or the day. Therefore, Jesus says, be ready that it may happen any day. It may happen any day. So be prepared. But he also says, and this is the third thing, he wants us to be aware. He wants us to be prepared. And the third thing is he wants us to endure. Because while he may return any day, he also may not return for many days. And so we need to be ready to endure. Don't lose heart, he says. An example of, of what he communicated is found in John 16, 33. I want to close with this. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Listen, church family, on, on this Palm Sunday, as we're remembering Jesus' arrival the first time, as he rode into Jerusalem, as our humble king headed towards the cross to make a way for you and I to be rescued and saved, to be forgiven of our sins, to, to, to have the promise of eternal life available to us. As he headed towards his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven, as we remember that Palm Sunday and the week that followed, 
I want you to hold on to the assurance that comes from his prophecy, his promises that have been fulfilled in the past because it gives us an assurance in our present circumstances and of his future promises that are yet to come. Let's live assured. And so in light of this, let's be aware. Let's be aware that troubled times, they're going to come. Even on the other side of this pandemic, if Jesus tarries and we live many more years into the future, both while we're in the middle of these hard circumstances and we, when we emerge on the other side of them, let's be prepared. Let's have peace in our hearts with God, settled and assured as our, of our place as His kids, that, that He is our King now and He is our future King that's returning again for us one day. And so let's be ready for His imminent arrival and let's live with endurance if it is still many days into the future before our King returns. Church family, He loves us. He is with us now and He's returning, he's returning for us in the future one day. Let's live aware and let's live prepared so we might endure even in these hard seasons. Amen? All right. Let me pray with you guys one more time before we go. And then I want to encourage you, if you need to talk to somebody this morning, maybe you're watching this video and you're going, Jake, I've considered myself a Christian for a long time. I've gone to church for years. Maybe you just tuned into this sermon this morning. You don't even know how you found it. And you're saying, "I, I don't know that I'm secure in my relationship with Jesus. I don't know that I'm prepared. You can know today. You can receive and accept him as your savior and as your king today. And so take advantage of what we're offering this morning. There are people available to pray with you. If you need prayer for salvation this morning to secure your relationship with Jesus, take a minute, send us a message. Someone would be happy to pray with you. Or if you're just finding yourself unsettled, unsure, anxious, struggling during the days in which we live, reach out to us. We love you. We're praying for you. People are available. Church family, let's, let's close in prayer now this morning and let's go before our King Jesus. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you that you are the fulfillment of the ages. Promises, God, that you've made since the foundation of the world. That Jesus, they are met in you. Thank you for prophecies that we can already look at and see that you have fulfilled. God, how glorious that you've done that. And Lord, I pray that it would give us a sense of assurance now that when we face our present difficulties, when we look into an uncertain future, God, that we would be filled with faith and hope that we can trust in your promises that they are sure. God, that you are our present King and that you're with us right here, right now, and that you are our coming and future King for all eternity that we can believe that you are coming to bring us back to yourself and to redeem this world. God, may we live in light of that hope and may we be carriers of that hope and that truth to others. Jesus, we worship you, our sacrificial King. Jesus, we glorify you, our returning future powerful King. It's in your name we pray together this morning. Amen. Amen. All right. Be blessed, church family. We love you guys. 
We'll be talking to you throughout the week. We'll see you in life groups this week. And then we look forward to celebrating the resurrection of our King Jesus next Sunday. Talk to you soon.